Good morning, Crossroads. How are you today? Good. Although it's almost not morning anymore. How do many of you think that we should start church at 11 o'clock every day? Yeah, I don't know. It feels kind of good to sleep in a little. Um, did anyone stay up super late last night? Any New Year's partiers out there? Yeah, we hit the clock, said midnight, good night, and we were out. And it felt really good to be able to do that. But we are embracing a new year. And how many of you woke up this morning totally ready for it? You're just like, I'm coming in. This new year is going to be awesome. It's going to be way better than these past few have because I'm going to trust God to do something great. Or maybe you woke up this morning and you're like, here we go again. It's already off to an interesting start. I don't know what happened in your homes this morning, but I do know that God has good things in store for all of us today. And so whether you're usually a 9 a.m. person or an 11 a.m. person, or you are watching online at a who knows when a.m. or p.m. person, we are so, so glad you're here. And I want to kick off the new year, as we do every year, by initiating us into our season of prayer, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. PC asked me if I could help lay some foundations to get us ready to be in constant prayer. And so constant prayer is something that is exciting because our God is exciting. Our God is awesome. And our God is sovereign. Turn to your neighbor and say, sovereign. This means that he is in charge of all things at all times. He is everywhere and he loves you very, very much. You have the opportunity to share with him an elevated experience of life through prayer. Prayer is our connection to God by actively embracing a full awareness, admiration, and attention to his incredible nature. Connection to God comes from embracing a purposeful consciousness of God's presence in every single area of your life. We're going to talk about a triple A prayer life today. Say awareness, admiration, and attention. Prayer comes from an ever-present remembering that the Lord is sovereign. We are aware of his presence. We show gratitude to all that he is and all that he's done, admiration. And then the Lord's promises never, ever go away. His forgiveness and grace is complete. His grace is here. His power is available. His love is active and eternal. And we get to embrace it by paying attention and acting accordingly. There is no place that you can go where God is not. There isn't a thing you can recognize that God is separate from and nothing you can do that is a surprise to God. There are things that you can do that will bring you a greater awareness of God's goodness. It will help us admire him and the world that he's created. And we get to give credit where it is most certainly due by participating in God's plans when we give him our full attention. So therefore, we're going to live our lives not with activities of prayer, but instead in a constant state of connection with God. This isn't an easy thing to do, but it is incredible once we learn how to do it. Prayer is not just some spiritual activity, it's a discipline. And the more that we build our lives on prayer, the more that it will go according to God's will. And the more that our life goes according to God's will, the greater it is, right? When we try to do things on our own, just like that baggage that PC talked about or the things that we want to try and get over, like Pastor Patrick talked about, we don't do so well. But when we fully embrace God's plans for us, then that's when we really get to feel the full fulfillment 
that comes with living a full life in Christ. So I'm going to read something to you right away. We're going to jump into the scriptures. I'm going to go to John chapter 15, and then we're going to pray again to get started, okay? John chapter 15, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. This is his final meal before he has to go to the cross to die. And he is explaining to them a whole bunch of stuff that's about to happen. And the poor disciples are super confused. Uh, But what he says to them in John chapter 15 is something that keeps us fully aware of God's presence. In verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So remain in me, remember those words, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you Bear fruit unless you remain in me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are here. As we have said time and time again already this morning, the glory that we have given you for being here, for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're going to continue to do, we are so thankful that you're with us. Help us to hear your words as we move forward today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, raise your hand if that awkward silence was super awkward for you. Okay, I did it on purpose. I'm not sorry. But I want to make a point here. How many of you like to sit in silence when you know that it's coming? Okay, there we go. There's some more hands. How many of you don't like silence at all whatsoever? Okay, that's me. I don't like silence either. I am an easily distractible individual. If you know anything about personality tests, I'm an ENFP in the Myers-Briggs. I'm an I in the DISC profile. This means that I am an extroverted emotional decision maker. And the more stimulus that I have around me, the funner life is. (laughs) But this is not always a healthy thing for me. I heard some woos over there. Yeah, we're going to go party. Because we like when stuff is happening. We don't like to sit still for very long unless something is stimulating us, right? How many people out there have a short attention span? You'd say, yep, I, I can't pay attention for very long. How many people would say you have a long attention span? Wherever you think you might be on the attention span spectrum, the The truth is that American attention spans are super, super small. Did you know that the average American attention span is only seven seconds? It's true. Now, some people are like, no, that can't be possible. But you need a stimulus every seven seconds in order to keep paying attention to the thing that you were just paying attention to. When I counted to 10 in my head quietly, How many of you started thinking about something else? How many of you panicked because you're like, oh no, poor Pastor Matt's really lost? (laughs) How many of you, did anybody here instinctively touch their phones? Or did you look at a neighbor to see if you were still in the right spot or if they were following along? We, We don't know what to do when we don't have stimulus after a certain amount of seconds because our brains have been trained this way. 
Um, this is not something new, however. This isn't like it's just come around because of how flashy media is and how much digital stuff we have everywhere. This is just the way that your brain is wired. You need constant stimulus in order to stay focused on something. And even though our attention spans are super small, we don't have to keep it that way. There was uh, a study done in 2006. A Silicon Valley web designer invented something called the infinite scroll. Has anybody heard of this? If you haven't heard of it, I guarantee you, you use it every single day. If anybody here has ever heard of the words attention economy before, if you're a business savvy person or a market savvy person, you know that in our culture right now, advertisers and marketing firms have recognized that in order for you to get to spend more money and time with wherever it is they want you to spend it, they don't actually have to worry about the product as much as just keeping your attention on the product. All they need to do is capture your attention for long enough. The quality of the product matters a lot less if you stay focused on the thing. Big companies are no longer investing into things, but instead they're investing into moments and experiences that will keep you hooked for as long as possible. Back in 2006, this web designer realized that whenever there was a perceivable end to content, they would stop engaging with it. If you read the article online and you got to the bottom of the page and you had to click to a new page to continue doing something, people would just leave. There was an end to it. So what he did was he invented a way for, instead of you having to click to go somewhere new, it would just automatically load in the next chunk of content so you would just keep scrolling for forever. They realized that this exponentially changed the way that people engaged with stuff digitally. No longer did people leave, but they would spend exponential amounts of time engaging in their content simply because there was no action that you needed to take to leave. If they kept you remaining on their thing, you would give all of your attention to it. Your social media auto-scrolls. YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, they auto-play. When you read something online, it will scroll and continue to give more things because we have learned that if we give you just enough stimulus every couple of seconds, you will stay focused on that thing that you are doing. Even though I am an easily distractible person, I am someone that will succumb to this. It, I, if you've ever heard me preach before, you know that I love to talk about video games because I've done it for forever since I was a kid. I love to do it with my brothers, but I'm the kind of person who will sit down and engage in a game and all of a sudden it's four in the morning and I go, oops, it's tomorrow already. How did this happen? I swear I just sat down at eight o'clock. Like I just put my, like what just happened? And I'm sure that you might have found yourself in a similar position too. We have a problem. Jesus said, remain in me because I'm going to remain in you. But if you are separate from me, you won't be able to do anything. You're gonna get trapped somewhere else, unaware of my presence. You won't be able to admire the things that I am providing for you, and you won't be able to give attention to what I want you to give attention to. How do we stay engaged with God? What in the world does Jesus being vine Awkward silence, short hijackable attention spans, and infinite scroll have to do with prayer. It all has to do with engagement. How often do we decide to engage with God 
in all moments and all aspects of your life. How often do you engage with God at all? Now, you might be giving yourself an immediate, uh-oh. You're like, oh, great. Here we go. Pastor Matt is going to give us another virtuous speech about how we have to unplug, go off the grid. I got to lock myself in a closet for three hours every morning at six in the morning in order to get closer to God. And I, I just don't know if I can do that. We need to go to bed when the sun goes down and wake up for a cold shower and then whatever else that he says we have to do. Doesn't he understand how busy and how wacky life is? Doesn't he know how hard it is for people to do that these days? And actually, yes, I do get it. And I'm not gonna tell you to do all that stuff today because trust me, I know that building a discipline is not easy. And anybody at the new year who makes a resolution will tell you it's not easy. What's the stat? Like 80% of people give up on their goals within the first like two weeks of the New Year's or something like that, right? Building a discipline is so hard to do unless you build the foundation for doing it first. You might have thought up till recently or maybe your whole life or maybe you've never heard this before about prayer as some sort of activity that you do. But Instead, have you ever thought about your prayer life as practicing a constant presence with God? Prayer is an incredible thing that keeps us connected to God, and the Bible promises that each of us have a connection to God. We have a connection to Jesus because of what he's done, because of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us after his death and resurrection. God's grace is available at all times, so this paradigm shift that leads us into full life in Christ comes from embracing the mindset that God is truly sovereign. He's in charge of all things at all times, and you can truly be with God at all places doing all things. In your life right now, you might be working extra and you don't feel fairly compensated. So you're very tired. Anyone in the room feel that? You might be constantly dealing with conflict between family members. So you're stressed. You might be living in fear of whether you're providing well enough or you're going to make ends meet or you're going to meet the next benchmark. You're anxious about tomorrow. Parenting is draining and you hardly have a moment to yourself because your three-year-old is constantly interrupting you. Pastor Matt, when am I going to have time to sit down by myself and pray when Millie keeps busting through the bathroom door every time I try to just go to the bathroom, right? You're struggling to have healthy relationships with your coworkers. Your beliefs are constantly being challenged. And every time we think we're confident in our understanding of something, life comes along and it gets poked with a big, ugly stick. We are all flying a bajillion miles a minute simply because everyone else around us is. This constant stimulation, even though our attention spans are so small. So because of all these things, maybe right now you are believing a lie that God isn't with you. It's causing sadness and distress. You're asking God to answer prayers, but you're not hearing anything. Maybe you're telling yourself that you are far too busy to stay connected with God outside of these set hours. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you don't have anything to be grateful for. The holidays did not go the way that you expected, or you received some terrible news. Maybe your spouse is delivering that bad news to you, or a family member, or a student. And you're like, where are you, God? I'm told that I'm supposed to be able to connect with you. I'm told that you're in charge of all things at all times, but I don't know if you are here with me in these moments even if life is kind of not great and your day is full of the stuff that makes you tired and frustrated, God is there in the middle of it. And you can practice prayer 
in each of those moments. Instead of spending our time wishing that we were somewhere else or doing something else, or maybe we wish for the way that things used to be, or we wish for the way that things ought to be, instead of thanking God for the way that things are right now, we get stuck. There was a, a, a Harvard psychologist pair, there was a team, that went into a study in a workplace to try and capture attention spans again. And they were trying to see how often people were thinking about something else than the thing that they were supposed to be doing in that time. And they found that 47% of any one person at any given time is thinking about something else other than what they're engaged in at the moment. And so they're like, this is strange. Well, let's find out if, like, why are they daydreaming? Well, they, they thought at first that these people were daydreaming because they were happier. They, like, they wanted to go somewhere happier. But then they realized that their daydreaming actually influenced their bad attitude. They thought, well, maybe they're not happy with their jobs right now, so they're wishing that they could be somewhere else. But they found that the people that were wishing they were somewhere else were actually what was making them unhappy with where they were right now. So they flipped it, and they asked all these people, stay as focused as possible, gave them things. People were like 89% more satisfied with their mood, their attitude, the work that they were doing when they weren't thinking about something else in the distance. This is kind of crazy. God asks us to remain in him, abide in him. Don't wish for something else later. Don't wish for the way it was before, but just be aware that I am with you right now. You might be in a really different position of wishing something else, though. Maybe life is actually pretty awesome at the moment. Maybe the holidays were great and family is getting along. Your job is easy and fun. You're content with what you have. So in these moments we also stop asking God if he's there because why would we? We're content with what we have. In these moments, we stop asking for help because we're not as distracted by the next big thing. We're just so content with what we have that we forget to participate in the more experiences that God has for us. It's a dangerous place to be on either side, either really, really great or really, really not great. God wants us to remain in the now. Not wishing for before, not looking forward to what's ahead, but instead just being aware that God is with you right now. Say, God is sovereign. In charge of all things at all times, and that includes right now. How often do we wish for something else, but instead we could just be with Jesus right now? The remedy for this type of life and the remedy for being able to initiate a prayer life with Jesus is remembering that God's in charge of all things at all times and available in all places at all times. We engage with him through prayer. Your connection to God, that's what prayer is. Here's what AAA prayer is. Your connection to God by actively embracing awareness, admiration, and attention to his incredible nature. I'm gonna repeat myself a lot because I know we've only got those seven second windows to capture your attention. So if you're like, Pastor Matt, you're saying it over and over again, good. Write it down, remember it, and get ready because these are the building blocks that we are going to use to create this prayer life. I'm gonna grab something. I'm gonna move it to the front. I'm a kid's pastor, so I love toys. And so you're gonna play with toys with me today. 
If you were with us on Christmas Eve, you saw Pastor Craig use bricks as a load, right? He put them into the backpack and he's like, you need to drop your burdens. You need to drop the things that are heavy and difficult, the sin that is holding you back from full life in Christ. Jesus can take those away. And when he does, he replaces them with something else. Things that are also pretty heavy, but things that are necessary. So we're going to build ourselves a foundation today with the three A's of a triple A prayer life. The first one is awareness. How many of you are pretty alert people? You're always aware of what's going on around you. Those alert people, how many of you get bothered by the people that are kind of oblivious around you? They're just sort of walking along, not really paying attention to where they're going or what they're doing, or even worse, it's hard to drive with those people, right? You want the alert person in the driver's seat, okay? I am an oblivious person, and I'm so sorry for all the stress that we cause you when we go on trips or when we go somewhere. Um, Because there's a difference between being aware and being alert. And if you are aware, you notice what is going on around you. But you might not be paying full admiration or attention to what's around you. Uh, I have two daughters, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And just the other day, we were asking our kids to clean their room. And Millie, my three-year-old, is a lot like me, which means that I love her very, very much, but I also get frustrated because I see the things that she does that remind me (laughs) that I need to pay more attention. All these new awesome Christmas toys that grandma and grandpa provided, right? New Barbies, new uh, Gabby's Dollhouse, stuffies, cats, all these kinds of cool things going everywhere, asking them to clean their room and pay attention. And Millie will grab one toy in order to clean it up, and then she will run away with it and start playing with it. And we're like, okay, please go put that away. And so she does. She maybe gets to the toy bucket, picks up the next toy, gets distracted by that one, runs away, and begins to play with it. And I'm standing in the same spot. I haven't moved, and every time she tries to get out the door, I just grab her and turn her around like a wind-up toy, you know, and then just like push her back. And as long as she's pointed in the right direction, maybe she'll get there. But I know that she is fully aware of my presence in that room. She is aware that I'm standing there and I'm asking her, put that away. Don't play with that. Put that away. Don't play with that one. Put that away. We're constantly redirecting. She knows I'm there, but she is giving far more admiration and attention to the toys that she has in her hands. We do the same thing when it comes to our uh, practicing the presence of God. We might say to ourselves, God, I know you're there, but then we don't actually remember what it means to be aware of what God is doing. If Millie was fully aware of my intentions and my authority, then she would treat those toys a little bit differently. I know that she loves me very much. I know that she wants to respect me. I just know that there's a lot of flashy things out there that keep us distracted. But this all begins with understanding that God is in the room with you. John chapter 14, verses 5 through 7, this is right before the the verses that we read at the beginning. He's sitting down with the disciples, and Thomas says to him, him being Jesus, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, then you will also know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is because they saw Jesus. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have been made aware of this. Later, after his death, after his resurrection, when he comes back, he's giving his disciples his final instructions. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts, he sends the Holy Spirit and the disciples start changing the world. They truly believed and understood that they were never alone. Any action that they took was in the presence of God. How often do we forget this? As something as simple as driving down the road or making dinner or that really awkward conversation you have to have with your boss or a coworker, or the hard conflict you need to get through with that family member. Do you really believe that God is with you in those moments? Are you aware of his presence? And if we remind ourselves of this always, when we remain in Jesus, how different would those conversations go? When we're alone and we're tempted to do something that we know we shouldn't, or when we get really, really frustrated by that other guy and tempted to say something that we shouldn't, or when we see the guy who's got something more than we have that we wish we had, we're tempted to believe something that we shouldn't. We start our prayer life with awareness that God is always with us. Say, God, thanks for blessing that guy more than me. God, thank you for giving me patience in this moment to deal with this. Thank you, God, that you are here. Did you know that there are two thoughts in your day that you can have that are the leading factors in determining your mood and how you interact with the world around you? Those two thoughts are your first thought of the day and your last thought of the day. We have found that the first thing you think about and the final thing that you think about, the same group of Harvard psychologists said that these are the leading factors that can change your mood going into your day and processing everything that happened to you previously that day. If you start your day thinking about the good things that are about to take place and how you're going to embrace them, and you end your day being thankful for all of the things that happened regardless of what they were, People's moods skyrocket. You elevate. And I know we've said it in this room before because Pastor Josh has used it um, and Pastor Craig has used it, but prayer, 10 days of dedicated prayer, is so powerful that it changes your brain enough to show up on a brain scan, taken before and taken after. If you start your day, the first thing you think about is, God, you are here with me today, and I'm going to believe it in every minute. Or if you start, or excuse me, you end your day thinking, God, thank you so much for being with me through every moment of my day, you will remember everything a whole lot different. Sometimes my first thoughts in the morning are very sarcastic. It's a very yippee, it's morning. I'm so glad to be alive today. Anybody else there? You need a coffee first or you need a couple minutes first? Are there any morning people in the room? Okay. Are there any night owls like me who will stay up until it's morning because we're having so much fun? Okay, here's the thing. Some people will tell you that you need to start your day with an hour of prayer and Bible study. Be quiet. It will change your life. 
those people are correct. They're right. But that kind of habit doesn't begin overnight. Sometimes it takes time to turn yourself into the disciplined person. And if you aren't there yet, just start with one simple thought. Start your day and recognize that God is with you. Instead of grabbing your phone first thing in the morning, grab your Bible. Instead of going to the fridge first thing in the morning, look out the window. Say, thanks, God, for the yucky weather, uh, the rain that's going to come and help bring flowers along. It changes everything. When we remain in Jesus and his will for us, it changes everything. God, I know you're here. I'm glad you're with me. And you recognize that you are in charge. Awareness of God's presence is the recognition and remembering that God is there. Meaningful prayer is born with an ever-present remembrance that the Lord is sovereign. Are you ready for number two? If we're fully aware of God's presence now, we need to be thankful for the things that he's doing. And we've already alluded to that a little bit. We've already said, God, thank you for being with me. But now next we have to say, thank you for doing what you are doing. In Psalm 89, there is a psalmist named Ethan. And he is, uh, we think that he was alive during both Saul, David, and Solomon's reign. And so he got to see all of God's kingdom get established and God have the righteousness shown over and over and over again. God's power, God's glory was uh, constantly being proven as incredible. And so Ethan just gives thanks all the time. In this Psalm, Psalm 89, 14 through 18, he says, righteousness and justice are found on your throne, Lord. Love and faithfulness go before you. So blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence. They rejoice in your name all day long. Anybody out there rejoice in the Lord all day long or do you find a couple speed bumps along the way? Rejoice in the Lord all day long. They celebrate your righteousness for you are these people's glory and strength. It's you, God, not them. By your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. By the way, that Holy One is Jesus, the Messiah, the leader of God's kingdom, the one that they knew that was coming along. God, you are the one who makes everything great. It's your righteousness, your justice, your awesomeness, and we rejoice in it all day long. You might be aware of something, but you might not recognize its value. Or perhaps it's authority, like my daughter, or even further still, the admiration or the gratitude of what it is. Parents in the room, you know that your teenagers are aware of your presence, but you might not always feel like you're getting the attention that you wish you had. You might not feel like you're getting the respect you ought to be giving, but you know what? We have to show that respect back. Teenagers, you might be aware that your parents are in the room, so give them some admiration for all of the things that they do for you because it's way more than you could ever imagine. Someday you're going to get to be my age and you're going to be like, wow, I was an idiot and I really love my parents. <laughs> right? We get there. We got to do that every day with the Lord. We recognize that he's here. Now we say, God, thank you for being so awesome and loving me so much even though I was not who I should have been. We recognize that God's in charge of all things, but our next step is saying thank you, telling God you are worthy of praise. The songs that we sing, we sing, I praise God. It's you who has done incredible things. It's you who has defeated death. It's you, Lord. 
We also have to thank God for the things that he didn't do, where you might have wanted him to do something, but he didn't do it in that moment. Is there anything that's happened to you in your life that you now understand that was a part of God's plan and it turned out way better than you could have imagined, even though in the moment you wished it was not the way that it was? In that moment, you might not have been excited about what was going on, but then after all is said and done, you sure are glad that God's in charge and you're not. My wife and I have been married for six years. We got married when we were 21 on the 3rd of September. And then in November, found out we were pregnant with our first daughter. Yeah, right? I love my wife very much. And in that moment, uh, I was not ready to be a dad. I was still uh, a kid. I mean, I guess I kind of still am today, right? I feel like it a little bit. Uh, I had no discipline uh, over myself, much less the ability to take care of a child. And I wanted to spend my first couple years of marriage getting to know my wife very well. And God said, nope, here's a baby. Boy, am I glad that that happened because my daughter is one of the most incredible testimonies of God's love and grace and forgiveness that I could ever share with the world. He prepared me for parenthood in a way that I could not believe and children's ministry is totally different because now I don't have to pretend to be a parent when I see things that are going on. I actually am a parent and I get to see how God loves his children the way that he's designed my heart to love mine. Boy, am I glad that we got pregnant right away. Because who knows what kind of stuck-up, incredibly uh, arrogant person I might have been doing tricks for kids that didn't belong to me just to send them back. And my ego would be so inflated. But now I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old that run past me constantly. And it gives me an understanding of God's grace in every moment. And so I say, thank you, God, for making things turn out the way that I didn't wish they turned out, but the way that you wanted them to turn out. We give admiration to the Lord and gratitude for all that he's done, right? If awareness is recognizing and remembering that God is sovereign, then meaningful prayer is solidified by showing gratitude for all that God is and all that he's done. You still with me? We're almost there, my friends. We got one more A in our triple A left. If we are building our lives, our foundation of prayer on awareness of God's presence, admiration of his incredible nature, then the final thing to do is to give our full attention to Jesus and to his plan. This last one, actively participating in what God is doing and what he has done for you is both the easiest and the hardest step in practicing the presence of God. It's both the simplest and the most difficult because this last step requires sacrifice. To participate in God's presence and to act out his will instead of our own it means that we need to get rid of our own plans. We have to actually pay the cost of following Jesus. And let's be honest, nobody likes to pay for stuff. We don't like to pay costs especially if you're the type of person who likes to put all the plans together. You now know that I'm not the plan-y type person. I'm the fly by the seat of my pants, shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. My wife is the opposite. She's the planner. She likes to have all the details in place so that when things go according to plan, she can be really satisfied that it went that way. Anybody else here, one of those people? Like, I have to have the details. I got to have the plans. I got to know where we're going, when we're going to get there, how we're going to get there, how many stops we're going to take, how many snacks we're going to have to buy, how much it's going to cost. And then when we finally get there, we can be thankful that it happened. Where the kids in the back seat with me are just excited to be on the trip at all. (laughs) 
right? We're like, we're going skiing. And who knows when we're going to get there. We're just glad it's happening. We have to give our full attention to God's plans and be ready to give up when ours don't go the way that we think. At the beginning of this whole series, this whole sermon I got for you here, I read for you John chapter 15, verses one through four. Now we're gonna read verses five through eight. Let's continue to learn what it means to remain in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. (gasps) That's good, much fruit, prosperous, just like PC read for us a couple minutes ago, right? Prosperous, I want that. But then Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Thanks, Jesus. That's super uplifting. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, now we're back to the good stuff. But... All of this tied together. Do you remember why we can't do anything on our own? Do you remember why we have to remain in Jesus? Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Oh, I get it now. My prospering is not actually about me. My fruit bearing, my making good things happen through the power of Jesus is not about me. It's about glory to the Father. It's about attention to his plans and his will. The most difficult part about meaningful prayer is to remember that it's not about us. When we ask for things and God promises to give them, it's not for us that we get these things. It's for God's glory that these things take place. Jesus says that apart from him, we can do nothing And even when we get the thing done that we ask for, it's to the Father's glory that the good thing happens. 